Um, I had a guy yesterday talk about what are the ways we can kind of speak into a culture, especially if they're bored and ADD and multitasking. Um, I think the last point for me is one of the biggest ways we can speak into the culture, and that's just being empathetic to others and stepping into other people's shoes. If that has become the rarity in our culture, statistically, then our ability to empathize with others and love them well and step into our shoes is going to go a long way with us being the church. So I have a couple questions for you as you review. When we talked about words versus images two days ago, uh, your avatars that exist online, uh, your need to maintain your second self, sometimes over maintaining your first self, um, the goodness of how we're able to communicate so much better. It's bringing families and people back together. Um, you think you're good at multitasking, and you are. You're better than everyone else, but you're still really bad at it. And you're suckers for irrelevancy. Squirrel! Um, ADT. Um, some of you don't have ADD or ADHD, but you've trained yourself. Um, attention deficit traits into having those traits because of the number of inputs and outputs you have. Uh, seven. You are bored out of your minds because you don't know what to do with your first self when it's quiet. Um, eight, can't say amen, you ought to say ouch, culture is getting dumber. Um, you have more access to information around you. We talked about this a little, remember the left and right side of your brain? Um, because you have this information that is constantly available to you, you have no need to retain it because you know that it's always available here. So your ability to link synapses in your brain um, and to put patterns together in a logical thought is limited because you never stress your brain to put those patterns together because it's always available here. Um, and then last one was empathy. How since 2000, college freshmen, 40% drop of empathy. It's probably been more since that study's been done. Um, and it leads to just people closing off and not opening up to others. So of these nine, which one stood out to you the most and why? Which one stood out to you the most and why? Yes? That we're getting dumber. That we're getting dumber? We have, like, like you said, we have all the information that we need, but we don't even use anything. Okay. Anyone else also think getting dumber? Has that stood out to you? Okay. Couple? Okay. Spider Girl? We're wearing a Spider Man hat today. Okay, I have to constantly prune my image online, and maybe I don't spend as much time with my first self and dealing with their problems because, well, it's just easier to prune the second self and try to deal with the problems in my first self life. Um, if you can't hear me because of the fans, let me know. We can put the fans on gentler. But I've never been accused of being quiet in my life. So, what's another one? Words versus images. Words versus images. Just the fact that. Can't put arguments together. Um, yeah, I mean, it literally is rewiring our brains. It's scary to think. It's rewiring our brains. Anybody else? You had something. Were you going to words versus images. Um, what point were you least aware of? What point were you least aware of? ADT. ADT. Attention deficit trait. Ruth? The empathy. Empathy? Yeah, you've grown up in a world that's just 
Laxa. I mean, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, scroll down to the comic section of any article and you'll see a lack of empathy. Hey, Arizona. You're not wearing it today, but that's what I named you two days ago, so let's take it. Yeah. Um, I would say boredom. Boredom? Okay. That means you weren't bored in this class, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Okay. How do you think these things affect your view of the church or the way you interact with it. You can find an answer while you give me one. Hair. Um, He's got great hair. That's why I call him hair. Um, I think it changes, I mean, everything from, like, definitely from the early church changes Okay. Any one particular thing that affects or changes the way you interact with the church, Holland? The empathy part, because that's like something not judging people is one of the things of the church. But if you don't have empathy, that's really not. Yeah. We're gonna stink at not judging people and loving people if we don't can't if we lack the ability to step into their shoes. Affects us as the church. Ruth. The connection because people from like across the globe can listen to. Yeah, communication's awesome. You know, I have a um, couple of pastor friends in uh, Africa. If I wanted to listen to their messages, I could. That's cray-cray. That's crazy. 90s slang, people. <laughs> All right? Rachel. Oh, mine was communication as well. Communication? I think this one, have any of you ever been caught multitasking in church? Please open your Bibles to... The way we multitask or try to multitask during a church service, or you're even bored in church, you're not trained to sit there and listen. So, uh, what point are we on? What time is it? Second point? Okay, this is a Presbyterian church. There's only three. I can do this. Hey, <laughs> I think, I mean, there's a lot of them. So, how, so we talked about the church. How do you think these things affect your personal relationship with God. Well, it takes away from it because um, while you're like on your phone, you're not thinking about God unless okay. you're doing like reading the Bible or something. There's a book called Entertaining Ourselves to Death. She's talking about the idea that, well, instead of the quietness of the time, focusing on the Lord, okay, I gotta go press a button. Candy Crush. Yes. They released a new update. Game on. Okay? Yes? Um, since we're so used to maintaining our second self and enjoying our strengths, we're not used to, like, even coming and um, showing our weaknesses and then your weaknesses. Can you just teach the class? That was so well said. Excellent. Um, we're so focused on making sure that everyone sees our positives. This is a good side. Um, that we lack the ability to deal with our weaknesses. Excellent. Excellently put. I think that's sort of a problem with communication, too, because we can't connect over phones so much, it's hard for people to talk person to person. Yeah. You don't have to answer this, but you have to answer it for yourself. Uh, I'm betting, good money, that some of you's uh, preferred form of communication is text. Because you get to edit yourself, you get to rethink, 
Um, there is a wall you can literally put up. And if you don't want to show any emotion, emotions, you don't have to. And if you want to fake emotions, you just pop on an emoji. Right? Which look nothing like me, by the way. None of the emojis have beards. Okay? Okay, so we've talked about the set the last couple days. We've talked about the characters. That's you. We've talked about the problems introduced to the characters. Now, what do we do? How do we interact with... Oh, how do we interact with the culture in the 21st century to the glory of God? How do we handle that? Um, I want to give you a story. If you were at um, YLT, Youth Theater Training, Walt Mueller gave a story um, about the beach that really resonated because I've lived this, so I'm going to retell it to the students here. Um, when I was doing ministry about a decade ago, my church would go to North Miami for a youth mission trip to work with the Haitian community in July, because they planned poorly. Um, it's hot in South Beach, okay, in July. You wake up in the morning, it's like high 80s, low 90s. Um, you put on several layers of deodorant, and on your way to the car, you're sweating. Like, it's just, you're done. Um, you can literally taste the ocean, which is three to four miles away, because the sweat that rolls down your forehead and nose will slowly make its way to your lips, and there is salt water. So every morning we would run a vacation Bible camp uh, for the students there. And in the afternoon we would do some work projects around, um, I think it was called El Shaddai Ministries um, in North Miami, whether it was painting a room, um, some of us fixed an AC, and we just did work projects. Well, on Wednesday, my junior high kids, so these are super hormonal teenagers because they're in junior high, okay? They're ready for a break. They're exhausted, and they should be. So we go to the beach. Some of you have done this before. We're in a 12-passenger van. We're rolling up to the parking lot, and the boys are like, you know, it's like a football game where there's a banner that they're about to run through. They're like, yes, we are going. Okay? And as the car moves into park, but as it passes neutral, the boys throw open the van door and, like, sprint <laughs> towards the beach with abandon. They're, like, throwing off hats, their shirts, their towels, their sunscreen, their shoes. It's, like, strewn across the beach everywhere. They don't care. They're running full tilt. They hit the waves. The moment the uh, water hits their waist, they dive in, and they're like, yes. <laughs> the girls. The girls. They take their time. They're excited about the beach, just as the boys are. They get all their stuff together out of the van after it's in park. They walk towards the beach together. <laughs> someone forgets their stuff they'll wait oh I forgot my sunglasses it's okay Emily we'll leave here <laughs> it's so nice here look at the iguana okay Emily let's go and so then they go to the beach and they like look for the like smoothest piece of sand so this is nice no shells they line up their towels making sure all their corners are touching from one girl to one girl again and then they like prep their, their towel stations and then they take time putting on sunscreen to make sure all the girls are like, you know, protected as they laugh at the boys. <laughs> they're so silly. <laughs> and when they're all ready, they approach the beach, they approach the water as a community. And then the brave one, or the sacrifice, whichever, whichever <laughs> will walk up to the water, take their toe, Dip it in. 
In a way. It's so cold. It's so cold. It's the Atlantic. It's cold. And then they take the next two, three minutes to slowly wade into the water. Only to be met by the boys who baptized them. <laughs> but there's a huge difference in the way we interact with our technology. Some of you, like the boys, are, you know, that kid on Black Friday that, like, knocks over the older lady and, like, takes whatever gadget she has out of her hand. Because um, you're just so... You want the new device. You don't care that it's a toaster that, you know, now just pops up three bagels at a time instead of two. You just want the new technology, and you don't hesitate or think about the effects of how it might interact with your brain or how it might affect the way that you interact with your culture. You don't hesitate. You just do it. And then any negatives that pop up, well, you just experience them without thinking about them beforehand. There's no thought process or ways of thinking or questions you might ask before you interact with a new piece of tech or a new app. What I want you to get to the point to, at the end of today, is to be able to think of some ways to interact with your technology to where that you can be a critical thinker so that you know beforehand, how is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect my family? How is this going to affect my view of God? How is this going to affect um, my view of others? Because it does. Because it does interact with the world. So, how do we use technology well? I would love to give you the Ten Commandments of how to use technology, but I can't because we're all different. All of you have your pet sins. Remember yesterday I said that this is a heart revealer and reflects where your idols are at? So my idols are different than you. So the things I gotta worry about on my phone are gonna possibly be different than you do. Okay? So one of my idols, let me tell you one of the ways I looked at this and then I had to change the way I interact with the world. I can get sucked into video gaming. So I play one game of Madden, maybe two games of FIFA at max, and then I put it away. If it's a longer story form game, I literally set a timer on my phone and I shut it off when it's done because I don't want to waste my life staring at a screen. Okay? I'm a workaholic. I got a smartphone for the first time a year and a half ago. I will check messages while reading stories to my children if it is on me. So I literally have to put it in the other room. Sorry about spinning on you. I literally have to put it in the other room. I'll back off. I literally have to put it in the other room so that... I am not tempted to do work stuff while I'm interacting with my family. I have to do that. I'm a worrier. That's one of my idols. WebMD will never be on my phone because I will have cancer with every sneeze. <laughs> it just won't. Um, we are not at a point, as me and my wife, where we need a technology Sabbath or one day a week where we just put things away. But we still do it about once a month just to unplug so it feels nice to not feel like something's going to buzz me and demand my attention throughout the course of the day. Some of you need that. Some of you need rehab to where you literally put it away for a week and then you slowly reintroduce it to your life because it is so demanding. That's on you to determine. I can't determine that for you. I can't give you a blood test and be like, oh, you're on Facebook way too much. Can't do that. But if you're going to be honest with yourself, I think you can do that. Okay? Um... You're going to need to find a balance. You're going to have to consider your needs and what needs to be done. But how do we handle that? So that's the macro level. How do we handle it with the micro levels, with the stuff we interact with on apps and stuff? So let's handle social media. Okay? So how do we handle social media? The first thing you can ask with any app or piece of technology is this question. What is, what is the purpose of said app? So let's handle Facebook. Okay, who can give me 
what is the purpose of Facebook? Keep up with people. Keep up with people that you're not close with or that you are. So I don't think there's a limitation there. So purpose, what is another purpose of Facebook? Waste time. Time filler. It might not be a purpose, but it might be how we use it, right? Right? So that's the purpose. It's another purpose of Facebook. News. Okay. There was a bunch of answers. Anybody else? Some businesses. Okay, if you work at Facebook, what's your purpose? To turn a profit. You need to understand that before you use this. Their job is not to keep you connected. It's to make sure that they're still in business at the end of the month. They do that by keeping you connected. But they also do that by if you Google something prior to getting on Facebook, especially if it's shopping, that sidebar is suddenly like littered with stuff. I looked at, I was my three-year-old son loves Thomas the Tank Engine. So I got him some new engines for Christmas this last year. For uh, like a month, all Facebook was giving me was like, Thomas the Tank, Thomas the Tank. You would love this Thomas book. And I'm like, I hate Thomas. <laughs> there are two, there are four, there are six, there are, ah! <laughs> Just terrifying, yes. Once, uh, when my dog was getting older, we got like, not the but like canned dog food. Yeah. And it was literally showing up for years afterwards. Like even after the dog had died, we had stopped buying things. It was still showing up. <laughs> I like, miss fighting so much. Why? Why? Oh. Why are you remembering a meme of my dog? Dang it. <laughs> Facebook makes me pain. So we know the purposes of it. What are the dangers of it? What are the dangers of it? New York. Next to Spider Girl. Also known as Minnie. Okay, so we know that there's an addictive element to it. What's another danger? Spend money. Spend money. I'm going to spend my parents' money. Again. You get grounded again. Yes? So good. Yeah. I need to maintain. People can, like, literally find you on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I find people on Facebook all the time, especially when I'm about to hire them. Um, do you compare yourself to others in real life? My guess is if you do that, you probably do it on Facebook too. We have two comparisons. We go, man, I wish I was them. Or, <laughs> I'm so happy I'm not them. I mean, that's the two, we play the comparison game. On top of that, cyberbullying's been on the rise, especially in the last five years. That's a huge part of our social media experience now is that people lack empathy, they're dumb, and they're bored. So they decide to bully people. Keyboard warriors. Huh? Keyboard warriors. Keyboard warriors. Hey, so we need to be aware of that. So the purpose is one of the main questions we should ask when engaging with a new app or piece of technology. The second question is this. How can I use this? To the glory of God.
How can I use this to the glory of God? That's just my shorthand for God. I can't stop doing it. So, how can you use social media to the glory of God? Yeah, you can post Bible verses. Yes? Well, uh, sort of like that, but it, it really is like the marketplace. Like for Paul, when he went to the Areopagus in Acts 17, this is like the marketplace. This is where people are. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like a third of the world is on Facebook now. So you can engage people, especially when they post articles or, um, you know, uh, different views uh, viewpoints of what's happening in our culture, you can engage with that, and, and people that you, you might not have a chance to do that with. Mm-hmm. But it is the marketplace for ideas. What, uh, what's another way? Probably check yourself before you post yourself. Like, what is the purpose of me, like, I'm taking a picture of my eggs and bacon that are in the shape of a Virgin Mary. Like, is that... (laughs) Does that need to be posted? I know that's silly, but is that more silly than, like, the twelfth selfie you've taken for the day? Like, it doesn't need to be posted. Is this glorifying God, or or is this just, like, tickling my flesh? Can't say amen, y'all say ouch. another way. What's the main purpose of social media? It's in the title. Social. Ow. Hey. It's to connect with other people. Just use it to actually its purpose. To like love others that you haven't talked to in a while. Or like reach out to them by text or by tweet or by Facebook. Or, like actually use it for its main purpose. You can do that to the glory of God. I love my Aunt Marie. Aunt Marie is a digital immigrant to the nth degree, okay? But, like, once every couple months, she'll tweet me the wrong way to where you don't put your tweet first and so the whole world can see it. Um, Or she'll be like, hey, uh, AJ, how can... A to the J Swanson. You can follow that. That's my rap name. Um, How can I... How can I pray for you? And then I personal message her back since I'm a digital native. Um, And she's just using it. Glory to God. It's a way for her to interact with me and get to know. Because she's on it. And I'm on it. Okay. Does that make sense? So these are the two main questions I think you need to ask yourself before you bull rush the beach. Right? How can I think through this? How can I wade into this new piece of tech or technology? Do I really need the latest gaming system on the planet? What is its purpose? Is it to disconnect me from the world or to connect me to it? We get to spend a lot of time on that. I'm not going to. Um, But here's the thing, too. I think the reason we have such a hard time answering these two questions is because we haven't thought about them in our first self. We haven't asked the identity question, or what is our purpose, or how do I live my life to the glory of God in our own lives. And if this is a heart revealer, and we haven't discussed it in, in regards to our own hearts then clearly we're not going to be using this critically. So what is our purpose? What is our purpose as Christians? How do we live out the Christian life? It's one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, we are therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. That's our identity. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you are a Christian, if you claim Christ, you are a new creation and by definition an ambassador. It's not that you become a new creation, you then go through four to seven years of you know, youth group training, and then suddenly you get a ribbon at the end of the day, and now I'm an ambassador for Christ. You will be the Bible that many of your friends read. You are a representation of the king. That is your purpose, that is your identity. If you do not know that, your tools will begin to define who you are. So you need to constantly remember this with your purpose and what is it what is it to be? To be an ambassador of the king and to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You need to know that in your own life so that you can use your tools to that end. So, what do you do if you are that or if you're not that? How do these reflect it? About ten years ago, um, when me and my wife were uh, at Christ's Covenant, with JC back there. Um, this was when, like, cell phones were brand new. Like, teenagers were getting cell phones for the first time in history. Okay? And two girls, they were twins, they were some of my favorite um, uh, youth people, um, they were given cell phones by their parents for the first time. And guess what it changed in their life? Absolutely nothing. Why? Because they already had a great relationship with their folks. They already had a great relationship with their brothers and sisters. They knew how to handle conflict in the home and talk through things. And so what the cell phone did is that it amplified their relational positives. When they were at school and a problem came up, they would text their mom and dad and ask them to pray for them. If something came up where, you know, I need to stay here and talk to this person after school. Can you wait for me later? Suddenly they were able to do ministry in a place that they couldn't do before because they can communicate with your folks to want to pick them up. It amplified those relational positives and negatives. At the exact same time, another student was given a cell phone in our youth ministry. And guess what it did for him? It amplified relational negatives in the home. Why? Because he didn't have a good relationship with his mom and dad. He didn't have a good relationship with his brothers. The way he processed problems was different from them, and that created conflict in the home. And what did this do? This exacerbated the issues. Barna Group, which is a research firm that does research and uh, statistics all across the country and churches, says this. Families that have a healthy and frequent conversations find technology aiding the process while families without such healthy interactions find that technology exacerbates the isolation of its members. So, what is happening in the home outside of the digital native's use of the screen has greater influence than the screen itself. Screen time amplifies relational and, po- and personal positives and negatives. That's what it does. Remember the thesis from two days ago. This is just a reflection of your heart. 
and it's a reflection of what's happening around you. If you have problems with your parents, you have problems with somebody else, all this is going to do is amplify it. If it's positive, it's going to amplify it in that regard too. You see this with the good relationships that you do have. You feel tighter because you constantly can feel connected with them. You see this played out. So, I'm going to end by giving you three things that I want you to work on. Kind of the challenge as we move out of here. We're doing great on time. First is use the tool to invest in your relationship with God. You have literally the world at your fingertips. The best preachers, the best Christian books, the best podcasts are literally at your fingertips. They're all there. If you download the ESV Bible, and there's a bunch of other Bibles, but the ESV one, the audio Bible comes attached for free. You can literally listen to scripture on your way to X. I listened to the whole book of Job while, you know, doing, uh, mowing my lawn last fall. And in the Texas heat, that's suffering. Let me tell you. Hey? Well, you can literally work your way through sections of scripture because it's readily available to you. And then, in those moments of quietness, when you put away your phone, you'll be able to dwell on something that is playing in your mind. Next. Invest in your relationship with others. Some of you are already pros at this. Um, that might mean, for those of you that are addicted, I mean having real relationship, not like emoji relationship. Putting down your phone once a week for a technology Sabbath. I think actually the Sabbath is a great time for that. So maybe you put it down on your church day. Okay? Um, other times it's making it to where technology is not accessible for you. If you have an Android type device, there are apps you can download that make it to where you can't access certain apps for a specific amount of time. So if you're like, okay, I really need to focus, whether it's homework or whether it's time with friends, download the app, I can't access Facebook, my texting app, blah, 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 the ones I always check, for the next hour, good, go, set. And it's essentially locked out. The iPhone, you gotta be a little bit more dedicated because you can turn it off at any time. Just put it in airplane mode, slide up, airplane mode, and then set your alarm to, okay, it's gonna go off in an hour and I'm not gonna touch it until the alarm goes off iPhone wants you to be a big kid. It's one of its purposes. So I won't give you the app to shut those off. Right? So some of you do that. Or you end up like this family I saw at a restaurant recently. Um, some of you who live in Frisco, 5th Street Patio Cafe, you know, I walk in one day for breakfast. And there's this family of four. It's, you know, that perfect little family. Mom, dad, uh, son, daughter. And they're all here. On their own, like, personal devices. And I'm like, okay, they're just checking in, right? They're just doing their thing. So I go to the counter to order, and I look back when I'm done ordering. It's a long line. It was a good 10-minute wait. 
and they're still there. Then I go and like eat with my friend, and then I go to leave. And guess where they're at? You think screen time is not amplifying personal and relational negatives in that home? They have no idea how to communicate with each other anymore. I have friends who literally go out to eat, and if they go, go get drinks, they go get meals, they all put their cell phones in the middle of the table. And the first one that grabs it, buys the drinks, and buys the meals. <laughs> Chick-fil-A in our area is starting to roll out where there's a basket on the table, and if you put your cell phone in the basket and don't touch it for the rest of the meal, they will give you an ice cream cone. So they even realize, they even realize that this is such a problem that I will give you a tasty vanilla treat if you're able to successfully like manage not looking at your phone for 10 minutes while you eat your Chick-fil-A sandwich. If you're a gamer, any gamers in here? Any gamers? Okay, game with people. Just game with people. Make it communal. Don't make it your distraction to just remove yourself from the world. Uh, my brother moved from Dallas to, uh, not sorry, Charlotte to Dallas his junior year of high school. It's kind of hard on him. He graduated in three years too, so he was only going to be at that school for three months. And uh, I asked him at the end of the school year, I said, you know, have you made any new friends in your school? And he went, nope. I'm like, so did you communicate with anybody and hang out with anybody? He's like, oh yeah, I was on Xbox Live every day hanging out with the same people that I had hung out with back in Charlotte. Killing Nazis together. Yeah. <laughs> like, all he did was kept his friend group and he communicated with them in the afternoons and asked them how their days were. And I mean, guys bond by doing stuff together. Like, we can't sit at coffee shops and be like, what's your day? Like, we don't do that. Um, we sometimes go to coffee shops and bomb, but it's not the norm, okay? Um, so he did that. Does it speak to maybe some of the other issues in his life when it comes to communications in real life? Probably. But he at least continued to have relationships with people that he had developed a friendship with over the course of six years, even though he was literally over a thousand miles away. Um, use it to keep up with the community. Um, I have family all over the country, so I post pictures of my kids on Facebook for them. I know they want to see it, and they will text me if there's not a new picture up, like, at the end of the month. Where's your kids? How are the kids doing? Okay? Um, and this is one that has stood out to me in a bold way the last couple of years. I say others because it's not necessarily your friends. When you are interacting with someone in the service industry, you're checking out at a line, whether it's for a Walmart or a McAdee's or Starbucks or something, put your phone away. Because this is what we do. We have the phone out, we're talking, I'm like, okay, I want this and this and this. And what we end up doing is we use those service people as tools instead of as people. So I've done this for a long time because it bothered me before. And I make it a point, especially places I frequent to get to know people behind the counter. Uh, there was an older lady in college um, that I got to know behind the counter. Um, she was in her 40s, she used to serve me coffee every morning before class. Um, and she had a middle school son, so we talked about her life, um, what she was doing for the day, how her kid was doing in school. Christina at Corner Street Bakery, she worked there when we were doing men's group there, and I was going there for other meetings. I used to see her all the time. Hey, Christina, how's your day been? It's 6 a.m. Have you had your coffee fix yet? Like, we used to interact with each other. She wore a cross necklace, so guess what? I asked her about 
how her church service was on Sunday, or how I could pray for her, and she loved me for it. I got a new guy, I'm not going to say his name on this because of some implications, but a new guy at Panera, I say hi to him all the time, I ask him how his day's been, what he's looking forward to, you know, this weekend, how can I be praying for him, and this is what happens. It's amazing, all three different people, and I don't do it for this reason, but there's a point after I get to tell you it. They give me free stuff all the time. <laughs> all the time. Why does someone feel so compelled to give me free stuff simply by calling them by their name and asking them how they've been? Have we moved so far away from a culture to where we treat people like people to where that is not the norm? You're so unique. Take all the bagels. All of them. <laughs> Here's a coffee, too. Do you want a large? I know you ordered a small, but I'm going to give you a large for free. Yes. I'm an addict. Like, people are compelled to do that. Why? Because you just treat them like people. I got another story. I got named Joseph. Met him at a Walmart about a month ago. So I walked into his line, and I said, Hi, Joseph. How are you doing? I know his name because he wears a name tag, like most people who work at the service industry. And Joseph said, uh, I'm very good. I said, Joseph, my guess is from your accent, you're not from North Texas. And he laughed. <laughs> so where are you from, Joseph? And he said, I'm from uh, Kenya. And I've done some short-term missions in Kenya, so I said, how about you, son? The look on his face was sheer joy. Like, hey, and he, now for the next four minutes, he's talking so fast. Because now he's switched from Texas English to Kenyan English, because he thinks I can understand it. So I'm just nodding my head. Uh-huh, and the some words I pick up, I'm like, yeah, I mean, totally, Mufasa, yeah, I remember that. Uh, baboons, yeah, I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> to where I'm just, all I'm doing is interacting with him, I've seen how his days, man. And then this is what happens. I go back to the Walmart a week later. Now this Walmart, they're building like three other Walmarts within a five mile radius of it, because everyone in America, I swear, shots at this Walmart. <laughs> And I'm walking past his line and he waves at me. He recognizes me. I'm like, oh, hey, Joe. Like, why is it so rare that, you know, the busiest Walmart in the world, I'm, I'm exaggerating, that he remembers me simply because I called him by name and I had a three-minute conversation. Now, I'm 30. I'm an adult. I'm supposed to be mature and, like, love people well. Your stereotype is much different. It just is. You as teenagers have a lot to overcome because people have the stereotypical view of you that you're narcissistic, you're selfish, and that you really don't care about yourself. My light shines because I'm different. Your light would be astonishing if you began to interact with the service community and just love them. Because no one's expecting it from you. No one. And again, it's easy. You're asking a couple questions. You're calling him by name. How's your day been? Got any cool plans this weekend? No, they got a cool tattoo. Those are always awesome conversation starters. Hey, what does that tattoo mean? Oh, let me tell you all about it. Because people who have tats typically don't get tats that they don't want to talk about. Um, so that's just an easy way. And again, I think it was your question last week about how do we reach these people in a lost culture with technology. And that is, I talked about empathy down here. It is being countercultural in the sense of dealing with people and loving people where they're at. That's how we do it, and we use technology to do it well. Last one. 
invest in your ministries. Um, prayer is a huge part of being a people who reconcile the world to the king. Who here is a natural prayer warrior? Awesome. Now everyone who has a phone, hold it up. Now you can be. Okay? Prayer is so much easier with this. If I got a student who's got a test or a conflict or something they're going to have to do that is hard and they ask for prayer for, I go to my calendar app and I type in, I got to pray for Andrew and Olivia uh, for the ACT on Saturday at 9 o'clock. Ping! I'm halfway through my first cup of coffee. You know, I'm not awake yet, but it reminds me, oh yeah, I got to pray for them. And I can turn around and pray for somebody. You can literally have your phone buzz you for reminders to pray for people. So when you actually say, hey, I'll pray for that, you actually do it. Use this as a tool to your advantage. Um, I keep up with a story. I love this group. It's called Human Coalition. They save babies from abortion. When people type in, I want an abortion on Google, their stuff, because of search engine optimization, pops up at the top of the list. And they click on that. They're connected with a pro-life uh, affirming center. They go in. They see their baby on sonogram. Nine out of ten people that see a living, breathing heartbeat in the baby, guess what they do? They keep the baby. It's amazing because they realize it's a baby. But what that Human Coalition app does is that if there's a lady who calls a center in Dallas, it can ping my phone. And it'll say, pray for a lady who's considering abortion in Dallas. She's coming to our pro-life center on this date. I click on praying. And then it pings me again. That lady you prayed for, she's coming in today. Pray for her then. Right. That lady, ping, that lady who came in, she chose life for her child. Thank you for praying. Six to nine months later, <laughs> that baby that was saved was from abortion was born today. Baby number blank. And they're up, I think, high 7,000s now. No, high 4,000s since they started a couple years ago. Has been saved from abortion. Just an easy way. There are tons of ministries like that that use apps to ways to remind you and to engage you before the throne of God in prayer. And as a people who are so distracted by a number of outputs, sometimes I need a reminder to pray. Last one, social media. Follow ministries in your area that you know need needs. If there's a food pantry in your um, community, follow them. So when it says, we're running out of beans, okay, you can go up to your mom. I doubt your mother. If you mom. The food pantry needs beans. I hate those people. Like, I doubt any of your parents are going to say that. They're probably going to buy the beans. Or if you're old enough with a car and you want to drop, I don't know, a buck twenty something at Aldi's, you can go to buy the beans and drop it off. Find ways to where you can meet needs within your own community using the social media the way it was designed for, the purpose of it, which is to connect people within a community. Actually use it to do that. I keep up with missionary friends via Twitter, via email, via Facebook. It's an easy way to remind myself to pray for the missionaries that I support, and hopefully you support too. Um, and then again, look for areas in your community where you can keep abreast and help. Um, you do that. You remember what your purpose is, to be an ambassador for the king. And you begin to live out that purpose. Then this becomes a tool. And your identity will shape the way that you use the tool, instead of the tool beginning to shape your identity.
and you're getting lost in that. I hope this class has been helpful for you. I hope you've taken away some nuggets. And most importantly, I hope you apply some of those nuggets. So it was a pleasure meeting all of you. Enjoy the rest of your day.